Welcome to No Teacher Left Behind with Christine Hurt and Natalie McIntosh for humorous musings from the teacher's lounge. Hey, Christine. <laughs> hey. Um, so we are back for a new season of No Teacher Left Behind. I'm so I excited. Am, I know, me too. Um, mostly to have adult conversation because I am no longer pregnant. Thank God. Um, and I have a new little boy. His name is Nathaniel. And he is a absolute delight, but he takes up a lot of my time. And so it's nice to get out into the world and be back, you know, interacting with other grown people. Um, and before we get to my topic for today, I know you had a couple of social media shout outs. Okay, yes. Yeah. Social media. Well, yeah, we can talk about social media first. Um, I just had it written down. I was like, okay, how do, how do real podcasters do this? Oh yeah. They mention things like social media. Right. So <laughs> I got to mention things like Instagram and I had to look it up again because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no underscore teacher underscore left underscore behind is the Instagram thingy. What do you call that? Do you call that like a username or a handle or what do you account? You, you don't know. I don't know. I think, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, whatever. We're, what did you say? Flexing on the gram. Whatever. <laughs> That's right. We're flexing right. on the gram. Yeah. We're social media yeah. influencers <laughs> for sure. Facebook, uh, no teacher left behind podcast is what you can search for. And that's the name of the page. And that's where we post links to all the recordings and the biggest thing that happened in the couple of months that we've been off is that we finally got approved and our uh, podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts. It used to be Apple iTunes and of course, I don't know, they did away with that and now it's called Apple Podcasts. Yay. And so if you do a search for No Teacher Left Behind, you'll see our little, um, uh, whatever it's called, icon thingy. Uh, and you can subscribe, and so we want as many followers and stuff as possible so we can... Um, get our conversations out there to um, more listeners. And also, if you're feeling kind of awesome and sassy, uh, feel free to write a review because that also helps uh, bring, what's that thing when you want? Visibility. Yes, that's, that's, that's the, word. the word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so great. Words are hard. <laughs> uh, great for a podcast. Yeah, it's, right. It's a good thing. We're, let's, you know, so we're getting back into it. It's a little. Oh, yeah, we're warming up. We're warming yeah. up. So I know what you did this summer. I did absolutely nothing really related to teaching or anything this summer. So that was great. I legitimately took a break from uh, education. And so now we're back. And I do you think, can you think of any other businessy type of I, things to I talk about? I don't think so, but I'm so glad you brought up not doing anything over the summer because my topic today I wanted to talk about self-care and I feel like that was probably just the self-care that Natalie needed this summer was, it was to just turn off the teacher brain for a couple of months um and uh I think we talked near the end of last season about um teacher burnout versus what has been termed moral injury. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'll warn you, I'm getting over a cold, so I might have to stop and, and cough. I'll try not to cough right in your ear. Um, but anyway, um, teacher burnout versus moral injury was something we talked about at the end of last season. And I want to stress before I get too far into this conversation that I don't feel like 
self-care is the remedy to moral injury. I don't feel like, as I, I stated it, I think pretty clearly in that episode, that I feel like it's unfair to put on the teacher the onus of fixing that problem. That problem is very systemic. Okay, and, so let's refresh my memory. Okay, uh-huh. Let's see, if I remember things correct, because that was an episode that you directed, Yeah. Um, the conversation. And so when I hear teacher burnout and moral injury, you put the focus on the responsibility. Whose responsibility is it uh, in each of those topics? And so if you're talking about teacher burnout, you're placing the burden of the responsibility on the teacher's shoulders that it's our responsibility to prevent teacher burnout by taking care of ourselves. Whereas moral injury puts the burden back on the system that the system is, you know, as most systems are, can be flawed uh, and cause the participants in that system to make decisions that may go against their own moral compass, which causes injury, which can then lead to burnout. Yeah, you know, lead to fatigue. that exhaustion so, and fatigue. Yes. Is that yes. kind of a, yes. all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like You're I passed totally my, in it. It's actually great that you check did that. For understanding. <laughs> Excellent buzzword. Thank you. Um, and no, and I think it's great that you did that. So now I feel like, you know, listeners who maybe didn't hear that episode right away. Um, it's a good episode. All, yeah, it's great. Or if it's been a while since you've listened to it, now you're kind of caught up to what that, that dichotomy is. And I do feel like a lot of times that, that sense of moral injury, we don't even recognize it because it's just all labeled teacher burnout. Um, and then it's put on the the teacher to do do more self-care prevent burnout yeah it's your and, fault that yeah you're it's getting your fault out, exactly you're not doing enough for yourself exactly and it's like no there's no amount of um yoga and walks outside <laughs> that is going to take care of this problem because it's not a problem of my own creation it's it's um you know it's a, it's a systemic problem excuse me i'm getting used to talking again it's the whole thing words (laughs) they are hard um but today I did want to talk about self-care because I think that just because there is this sense of moral injury and I do think that that's a problem and worth discussing it also doesn't take away the fact that teachers need to practice self-care I mean everybody needs to practice self-care and but no matter how much we fix the system and you know take away the things that are causing that that moral injury um you're still gonna have kids who come to school who haven't eaten kids who come to school who are mad kids who come to school without the information that they need for you to start them where you should be able to start them you're gonna have things about your job that are stressful and hard you're gonna have more students in your room maybe than you can handle on a given day or you're gonna have a difficult interaction with a parent and need to bounce back and get back into teaching your kids or whatever it's just gonna happen and so how do you keep your energy levels where they need to be in order to be the best teacher that you can be and so you do have to practice self-care and I think that what brought this to my mind is I was recently thinking to myself, you know, thinking about coming back to the podcast and it's been, um, you know, a whole school year now that I have been out of the classroom and frankly, watching the teachers come back this, uh, fall has been very, um, difficult for me. Maybe kind of sad, like seeing all of my friends setting up their classrooms. I thought I want to be setting up my classroom. I want to be right in there, but 
that time will come for me. Um, but where I am right now is I am the mother of a five-year-old and an infant, and that is exhausting. And, um, and so I've been thinking a lot just generally about self-care because I think that's something that teachers uh, don't do enough of and, and parents don't do enough of. And so there's a little bit of a overlap in that Venn diagram you know, of teachers and parents right there yep, in the middle. We're both in the middle. <laughs> that's, that's something that, that we, that both sides have in common. And Natalie and I are both in that, in that place right there. Um, and so I think I wanted to start off with talking about, you know, as I've been thinking about this and, you know, I read other people talk about it. Um, what a funny thing to say in the world of technology. I read other people talk about it <laughs> anyway. Um, the internet, it's a lovely place. Uh, but the idea I think I want to talk about of what self-care is and what self-care is not. Um, because I feel like there's this idea that people hear self-care and it means getting pedicures and going to yoga three times a week and going out for wine with your girlfriends. That is self-care. Well, that can be a part of self-care, but that's, and you know, certainly the occasional pampering of yourself is, is necessary, but that's not, I don't think that should be the bulk of your self-care plan to me what self-care really is and and why it doesn't get done is because it's it's hard and it's not always actually fun self-care is like eating vegetables self-care is um getting ample exercise and I, I saw a friend phrase this and I love the way she phrased it which was you know because you hear exercise and again you think oh I got to be going to the gym two hours a day five times a week and nobody has time for that so I'm not going to go and I'm not I don't have time to exercise and my friend phrased it as moving your body in a meaningful way on a daily basis. Ooh. And that really struck me because you can do that at home. You can do that with your kids. You can do that in your classroom. You can do that in the hallway, you know, for 10 minutes after school, just walk a lap, you know, you've moved your body in a meaningful way and maybe that's enough for you that day. Um, and uh, so self-care, you know, eating well, moving your body in a meaningful way, drinking plenty of water is self-care. Right? Natalie's got her glass of water right there. And I'm I have, it right now. Yeah, and I have my giant sonic <laughs> cherry limeade. That is not self-care, but <laughs> that is a treat for me. That is a treat. Um, anyway, uh, things like that. And so I feel like there are these everyday habits that are hard to do, but that keep us healthy. Um, and maybe we can kind of talk about why, why that's hard to do and why we don't do enough of it. Um, and uh, the, the number one form of self-care that I feel like teachers don't exercise enough is saying no. Oh, amen. And so I would like for us to discuss that. Saying no as an act of self-care. And I think you hear a lot about that, you know, especially related to burnout. Like, you got to say no, you got to say no, you got to say no. But really framing that as an act of self-care to say no. Um, so Natalie, what is your, your vision of self-care? Um, well, <coughs> for, I think something that you and I both agree on is that because we are all individuals, all of our practices of self-care are going to look different from one another. Yes. Um, my practices of self-care will probably look very drastically different than my wife's sense of self-care. 
Um, she, uh, and then it may look completely different from Brent's version of self-care over here. So, I mean, a lot of it uh, has to do, and so I've been trying to kind of drill down a little bit in my mind and try to come up with kind of like the, the concepts that underlie, you know, self-care. And it, I, words that are popping to my mind are things like recharging, mm. recharging, resting, uh, nourishing. Uh, so that kind of makes me think of what you were just talking about with the physical side of things. Yes. Um, we need to keep ourselves as healthy as possible and, and doing those things that you were talking about, um, having a balanced um, diet and having deliberate, planned uh, movement in our day. Uh and uh, trying to think of other keeping, you know, knowing how to confront, you know, stress in a productive way. There's just so much. And I know um, one thing that popped into my mind as you were talking is sometimes it's not we need to add things for our self-care. Sometimes we need to subtract things out. Yes. For the sake of our self-care. Yes. So it's not... You know, when you're thinking about, well, gosh, what does my program of self-care look like? And is it adequate? Some people may be trying to do too much yes. um, self-care, things that they hear work for other people. And and real, and real not realizing that they could just remove things. Yes. And that's an act of self-care. Yeah. Which brings us back to no. So boundaries was a big key yes. word that I um, thought of. And I'll, I'll tell you. I was just talking some to some, we'll call them seasoned teachers, yes. <laughs> who have been teaching uh, over 10 years. Yeah. And we were talking with loving words about younger teachers who are in their first five years and watching them uh, and trying not to get too judgy, judgy about their decision making because we see them not being able to say no. Yes. Two things. You know, yes, I will coach all the sports. Yes, I will take on that club. Yes, I will do this duty in addition uh -huh. to my other duty. And um, and so there's that, you know, the saying yes to structured things right, like coaching and things. activities. Yeah. But there's also the saying yes because they still have the phrase it's for the sake of the kids in their heads. So yes. they feel like now I've got to say yes to all these other things because what would my kids do without it? Or, you know, it's for the sake of the kids yeah. type of thing. And then there's, there might even be this other thing of, you know, between colleagues, it's for the sake of our working family. Of our team. So, I don't want to let my team down. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I will always trace back a lot of self-care to mindset. Yes. It's like, what are the messages we are telling ourselves? Yeah. And this is something I recently told another mom of an infant, and I have to tell myself on a daily basis, and I want to tell to all teachers everywhere, but especially the newer teachers, those teachers, like you said, who are in their first five years, which is, if I had two words to give as my best advice, would be forgive yourself. Mm. Forgive yourself. If your classroom is a little bit disorganized today because you just didn't get to it, forgive yourself. At home, if your dishes aren't done every day, forgive yourself. The laundry makes it to the dryer but not into the drawers, forgive yourself. It's going to happen. And I think that the more time we spend 
beating ourselves up over the fact that our house doesn't look like Martha Stewart has been there. Our classroom doesn't look like it's ready for Pinterest. Those things, not only are we wasting time trying to achieve those impossible goals, but we're wasting the time and energy beating ourselves up over not meeting those impossible goals. And we've doubly wasted time and energy that we could have spent on getting ourselves refreshed and restored and being able to be the best teacher or parent or person that we can be the next day. Exactly. So if you're carrying around the message in your brain <coughs> of, oh, I'm the worst because I didn't do this, how effective of a teacher are you going to be if that's the message that you just keep telling yourself? Right. So if I just keep telling myself I'm the worst, I'm the worst, I'm the worst, how motivated am I to kind of push beyond that? Because it's going to feel very overwhelming. Yeah. Whereas if I can rephrase that to say, you know what, I am doing the best I can right now. And when I step back about 50 paces and look at my life over a whole, my, my son's alive, my other kids are alive, yeah. everybody's alive. When you were all healthy right now, yeah, my house is definitely not you know, <laughs> in any way yeah. Pinterest ready or anything. I just finished the second full week of school. Yeah. So I am definitely in this mindset. And you know what? As a seasoned teacher, I bring that mindset of protecting boundaries from the second that we come back into the school yeah. building where that was not in place that is as a, a new learned, teacher. That is a learned skill. And I will say, you know, I taught for three years before I, I, I stepped away for family reasons and, um, and I'm, so looking forward to going back and sort of becoming that seasoned teacher but I feel like even between my first year and my third year there was such a stark difference of having learned just a little bit of boundaries of you know you can only infringe on so much of my time you don't pay for 100% of my time so I'm not going to give you 100% of my time um, and I stopped even trying to bring work home because it never got done and so all that happened was <laughs> I spent a lot of time packing it up to take it home and then bringing it back in my classroom to unpack it and it never got done and then I felt so guilty and I would think about it all night you know but by the time I got home I was done with school I was out yes. of and I needed to be I needed to turn off my teacher brain as an act of self-care I needed to decompress in that way yes um, well you know this if, if I can interject yeah. real quick also your first two years you were already a mom yeah right okay so Another thing that I thought of in terms of self-care is you really got to look at um, where you are in your life at the moment. When I yes. first started teaching, I was 26 and I was single, no, no kids in the Young, horizon. single, wild and free, as yeah, you like to say. Exactly. And so I said yes to everything because I did have a lot of time yeah. and could get it all done. And I looked around at these like, you know, parent teachers or the seasoned teachers and going, well, they're just mean and bitter because they're saying no to everything. And yeah. I'm saying, yes, what yeah. a great team player yeah. I am. Look at me. Look at me. But it, that's not how it was. Yeah. They, they were, and at that time, there, there were a lot of days where I did feel good about what I was volunteering for and what I took on and everything. I'm not saying it's bad to say yes. I'm saying that now when I returned to teaching, I was a parent. Yeah my life looked completely different. And so it was easier for me to lay down boundaries yeah. um, later because I had the excuse of, I have a kid at home right. who's five at the right. time that I started. And um, 
I just could not do a hundred percent. Yeah, and so of every do, minute. When of you the say day. it was easier, do you mean it was easier for you to feel comfortable doing it, or it was easier for you to sell it to the people asking you to do things? It, more importantly, it was easier to sell it to myself. Okay. That when all is said and done, this is this is a career. This is an occupation. My family's forever. You yeah. know, it's always going to yeah. be there. I really need to put them higher. Yeah. So. And, and when I look at work, just like you, I look at, I don't want to bring stuff home yeah. because now he is 12. I want to have that time when yeah. I come home yeah. to talk to family. him, to, to be with him. And, and I ask that because I think that in, in all professions, but definitely I see it in teaching, there seems to be this, this disconnected level of expectation of like teachers who are parents maybe get asked a little bit less to go above and beyond and teachers who aren't parents get looked at well you've got all this free time it's not really fair like their time is still their own they can decide how to use it um and uh and so you know that's why I asked that question because I do I do sometimes see it's like well they're young they're single they have more free time so let's ask them to do more things and then it turns into this whole snowball effect um but that made me think too you had said earlier how self-care looks different for different people you know Brent or you or your wife or my husband or the teacher down the block whatever are all going to have different self-care needs I think too that self-care changes for you from one year to another because your life changes maybe you do get married maybe you do have kids maybe you get you know a new pet or you start a new hobby or you know you start teaching a drastically different subject and it starts sucking up a big chunk of your brain and so you need to focus your self-care a little and bit so self-care isn't something that you define once yeah and stick to yeah. it it's something that you always have to revisit and go how do I feel right now is this working for me is there something I need to move off the plate yeah. is there something I can move on is you know maybe I should try the whole concept of maybe I should try this thing that people are doing eating the rainbow eating all the colors yeah. you know Maybe I'll try that for a little bit. And, and if it works, great. And if not, try something yeah. else. And I'll give you a very concrete example of this for myself. About halfway through my first year, my, you know, I mean, everybody's first year of teaching is really crazy and hard. And mine was definitely no exception to that. Um, and so one thing I did about halfway through the year, I figured out that at the end of the day, especially because um, we did block scheduling, so we had A days and B days. And on A day, my last class was really a challenge and so when they left my room <laughs> I needed a break like I needed 10 minutes of silence and so I got into this routine I had these headphones in my room that there were like the big over the ear you know headphones that kind of they weren't noise canceling but they block out a lot they muffle a lot so I made up a little sign that said don't disturb come back in 15 minutes and I put it on my door and I would close my door and I would turn off the lights and I would put these headphones on my head and close my eyes and I set a timer for 10 minutes. And I would sit there with the headphones on my head, my eyes closed in the dark, sitting still for 10 minutes and breathing. And then at the end of the 10 minutes, you know, I'd turn the lights back on, open the door, get back to work, whatever. Um, and it really helped. I really, I felt like I needed that time to calm down and then I could get back to work. Um, but then by my third year, I started to, again, kind of check in with myself and realized that, that that quiet break or staying closed off in my room right after school um, wasn't doing it for me 
anymore. And what I really needed, because at that point my room, I had changed rooms and my room was off in a corner, which was awesome because nobody bothered me and I could kind of <laughs> have, you know, uh, a lot of quiet time there. And so what I really needed was to get the hell out of my room and talk <laughs> to people. So I would leave right after the bell, I would leave my room and kind of do rounds and see who looked like they were in their room and not super crazy busy with their head down and I could just come in and be like hey what's going on you want to talk for five minutes because I need to talk to a grown-up thanks thanks <laughs> um and that was you know but it evolved over time and it was because my room changed my first two years my room was right by the exit and mm -hmm. so people passed by my room and would stop by to say hello all afternoon and then my second year I was upstairs in the corner nobody ever walked by my room and so I had to switch up what I needed, you know, and you've got to be constantly checking in with yourself what you need. Um, that evolution is, is really important. Um, yes. And here's, here's another thing. Um, cause sometimes I, I have, us having a conversation with, um, somebody recently about, uh, coworkers who would just come in and while they were trying to work, you know, the coworker would just be like, going on and on and on and I could feel that you know my friend was getting really frustrated at this person for just you know not leaving keep on talking and things like this and um I think it is one of those uh difficult things to do you know when you're faced with confrontation when you're faced with needing to say no or you're you're faced with someone that you actually need to like stop and say uh, this is a great conversation, but I can't at the moment. I'm trying to get this done. Yeah. Um, those are hard, like, conversations uh, to make. So I encourage people to, and I had to do this a lot with me, is that I can't blame everybody else for treading on my boundaries. Mm. If I am getting angry at somebody for crossing my boundary, it's because I have not put up a very good boundary. Yeah. I put up like a little row of bricks yeah. instead of a fence. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, when you like, needed like a reinforced fence. Exactly. Like, this is so, definitely a boundary right here. If I find it? myself getting frustrated at somebody else, I actually have more control over that situation than I want to give my credit myself credit for. So, yeah. you know, I tried to like share with my friend, well, here's some things that I do. You know, yeah. one, um, I can close my door. But they come in. They open the door. They come in. Well, you know, sometimes I pick up a stack of whatever I don't even know what it is sometimes and I pick it up and I go I got to go to the copy machine yeah. and I walk out yeah I, I may or may not have to go to the copy yeah. machine I may just take a lap and come right back to my room and close yeah. the door again yeah. um if I don't feel like I can have like the in your face honest I don't have time for this right now yeah. type of conversation just make an excuse there's and, other yeah. ways to protect that boundary um you know so I I definitely encourage that if you feel like Oh, I've got boundaries, but people just ignore them. I'm going to challenge that person and say, you might want to take another look at your boundaries. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe they're not as obvious to other people as yeah. you think they are. And maybe they're obvious to like 90% of people, but your friend is in that one ten percent who's super oblivious. <laughs> and for them, you just need to make it like neon sign, oh, crystal yeah. clear. Like, and... You know, and something that's coming to mind is we had talked about before sort of dealing with boundaries with students and saying no to students and practicing ahead of time. Remember we talked about practicing ahead yes, of time, rehearsing. having some, 
some good just pat lines. Do that, think over the weekend, come up with like three or four pat lines that you have for your friend that you just say, oh, hey, I wanted to catch up with you, but I'm right in the middle of something. Can I stop by your room later? Yes, and that's there, perfectly nice. Yeah, perfectly yeah. nice and acceptable. And, and, you know, or maybe you do practice saying, after school is not a good time for me. Can we come up with a different time to talk? Or whatever but yeah and then the other side of that if they get frustrated or angry at you that is not yours no no that is not yours yeah you are trying to be as as polite and considerate as possible to yeah. them but their reaction is how they choose to react yeah. to it and and that's stuff that you gotta let go absolutely um yeah because you have the right to reinforce that fence and say oh maybe you didn't see this fence before but it's here yeah it's right <laughs> It's yeah. right on this line. I had a teacher, I gotta tell you this. Yeah. Just tell me this past week that um, uh, she was at a school one time where uh, she would close and lock her door. Yeah. And there was another teacher who would unlock the door with their key and come <gasps> in and start talking. No. To I know. That's what I said. I was like, are you kidding I, me? No. If I came across a locked door, I'm. Yeah, like, no. And, and now, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, like, that's something I would have taken to an administrator and been like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had a conversation with this teacher, I have locked my door to keep people out and it's it's really inappropriate you know because like well, i don't know what if i was changing or something like that's true that's, or pumping yeah you don't know you don't know what's going on in that the door is locked for a reason and it's yeah. to keep you out of it yeah exactly oh my so, god oh my god yeah, yeah. So there are Ooh. people and you know and i'm gonna say again if you find yourself getting frustrated at the other person sometimes it's it's something that you have to, you know, kind of look at yourself. Did I did I put up a strong enough boundary? Do I need to revamp how I do things? Um, and then the other side of it is just remember they're people too. And yeah. they have their needs. And they are looking for their own avenues of self-care. And sometimes they just don't mesh well yeah. with your own. They clash. And just kind of give them a break. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, like I said, can. I would do my little rounds after school. And I would try to, like, if somebody looked like they really had their head down doing something, I tried not to bother them. And I am sure, absolutely positive, on more than one occasion, I walked into a teacher's room and they said, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's five minutes I don't have. But, you know, I think that we were all close enough that we just sort of figured, oh, I'll give you five minutes and sometime you'll give me five minutes and yes. then it'll all work out. But, yes. you know, I'm, I'm certain that it happened because it's just the nature of the job. I know that there were times that I was in my room and somebody would walk in and I'd be like, oh, this is going to be like a whole conversation and I got stuff to do, but... And definitely grab yeah. a seasoned teacher because they've, they've seen it all. Yeah. And just say, look, this is the issue I'm having uh, with time, with interruptions, with whatever. Yeah. Like, what do, what, you, what do, do you do about it? And I get so much from that. Like, yeah. what words do you say? Yeah. And, you know, take oh. it, try it. If it doesn't work, don't use it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah get, use those seasoned teachers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, we can, unless you have anything else big to bring to this I would like to kind of end on maybe just a couple of concrete things that you do mm -hmm. for yourself that are good self-care I can give it maybe a couple of concrete things that I do for myself but I, I would like them to be sort of small everyday things not the big you know get a pedicure and have a spa day things, which are nice <laughs> and wonderful and definitely very refreshing but things that we don't have time for and then we stress ourselves out because I'm not going to the spa and doing yoga three times a week and what a horrible self-carer I am um, but just the little everyday habits or things that you do to feed yourself a little self-care. Definitely. I'll tell you one of the biggest ones that is working for me right now is I'm trying 
very hard to eliminate the word later from my vocabulary. I'll do it later. I'll do Ooh, it later. Interesting. Procrastination um, <laughs> it's can my hobby. bring me <laughs> so much anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and so if I'm trying to practice self-care and eliminate anxiety, sometimes I choose one thing to cross off the list, list before I go. I've One thing that's really made all the difference for me so far this school year is before I leave the classroom for the day, I put my pencils back, I put my pens back, I make sure my desk is clear. If I don't have, um, I have set up, and this is another seasoned teacher thing, I feel like I've gotten to a place where my paper management is really good. Nice, that's always something I struggled with. Yes, and so I feel like I can get all the papers to their homes. Mm. Is it in the to grade folder? Is it in the graded ready to file folder? Is it in the, you know, did I use the systems that I have set up? Did I, did I take care of everything? And then I, you know, if I can, that's great. If I can leave a clear desk, that's the small thing. If I can take it one step further and change my boards for the next day, great, even yeah. better. Um, so it's just little things like that where my room looks ready to go when I come back in the next morning. That, for the next day, sets me up in terms of self-care, coming in with a calming presence and coming in feeling like I can do today. Whereas yeah. if I came in and I still had piles of papers everywhere and I come into a mess, um, that does not set me up um, yeah. to feel like I can do yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, and it was sort of always my goal to have like a clean desk, although I literally never had a clean desk, which is why I had a turn-in basket and I told my students, turn it into the turn-in basket or else it's not turned in. Don't hand it to me, don't set it on my desk because then it gets lost into the world and it is never to be seen again. The Put inbox the is the biggest, yeah. biggest thing. Um, but it was always, you know, my goal to sort of have things tidied and then have my boards changed. But it's interesting, you talk about, you know, different for different people. I was sort of in the opposite order my boards needed to be changed first like that was the most important thing to me to have done for the next day because if I didn't do it before I left I wouldn't do it in the morning and it wouldn't get Mm -hmm. done and then all day I would have kids saying is this a this the wrong day that's not what we're doing today I don't understand I'm so confused that was yesterday's homework you know um which would just be giving me more anxiety all through the day as I'm responding to this and and so for me it was get the boards done and then if I have time you know, clear a space on my desk or, or whatever. Um, I do have one other. Yes. Just to yeah, share, yeah, go for and it. And I want to hear yours is I tend to isolate as, as an introvert. Yes. You know, uh, sometimes I mistakenly feel that my ultimate self care is to become the hermit on the mountain uh-huh. um, and not yeah. talk to people for three days. And wow, how awesomely self care would that be? <laughs> right. But to be true, introvert doesn't, mean that I need to get rid of people in my life. Introverted means that I need to reduce my stimuli. Yeah. You know, I have floor lamps in my room. I keep the fluorescent lights off as much as I can. Um, I don't play a lot of music or have a lot of things going on at once while I'm trying to work because that attacks my sensory. Um, So as one of the things is part of like being introverted is um that oh my gosh my brain just totally like went somewhere else but uh (laughs) because then I got sidetracked into like the lighting thing it's like yeah Yeah. that is a big thing of my self-care um but the other thing is I do need connection so I do like there's 
an app, a little video messaging app that I use, and I have core people that I touch in with. And I want, I'm so lucky. <laughs> on a daily basis and say, this is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. This is what's going through my mind. And this is what I'm going to do about it. It's kind of like my little morning check-in. And sometimes they reply and sometimes they don't. Yeah. But mainly it's for me to just check in. And I need that. I need connection as part of my self-care. Yes. And it, it doesn't mean I need to like go, all right, everybody, let's go out. Yeah, let's yeah. go have a good time. Yeah. Let's make a date. Let's go out for dinner. Nope. nope. All nope. I need is about 30 seconds to check in with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that myself too, being fairly introverted. I think you are, you are stronger on the introverted spectrum than I am for sure, but I'm still, you know, fairly introverted. And I do sort of fall into that trap sometimes of that means I just can't do people ever and just no people, but that's really not what it means at all. And I do have to be mindful of keeping up with those, those connections. And, <laughs> um, and speaking of that, I think that is also one of my big, methods of self-care right now is um like I have you know my best friend is on standby on Facebook messenger like basically at all times because that's just how our relationship is and um and I've been working really really hard over the last month or so to be more forthcoming with um when I'm having a problem or struggling or feeling overwhelmed and telling either my husband or my best friend or Natalie on Marco Polo or my mom or just whoever seems like the right person in that moment. Like I am struggling with feeling overwhelmed about whatever. And it, they don't, I don't really need a response. Like I just need to say it, you know? Um, and that's been one of my big um, methods of self-care, but I have to be very, very deliberate about it because if I don't force myself to do it, it's really hard to do. Um, and if I don't force myself to do it, then I internalize all of that. And then it just becomes this big festering monster and it's goes, I go down a bad path. So, um, and I'm trying to think, uh, because eating junk food seems like a really good method of self-care <laughs> for me right now. And I do it a lot. Like it's my job, but it's not actually a good method of self-care. It's really bad for me. Um, and, but I think the other one for me is, and again, I have to, this has to be like really deliberate, but is that sense of forgiving myself? Like I look around my house every day and it is a hot, hot mess. And, um, one of the things that gives me anxiety is when the laundry is not folded and put away. Um, and I have currently what I refer to as laundry mountain on the guest bed. And it's just a mountain of clean laundry that we fish through for clean clothes because I can't, I can't get to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and choosing every day, making that decision every day to let go of that mm -hmm. is, is really, really difficult, but it's an act of self care and it's really necessary. And, um, and I know that this is not, you know, um, no moms left behind podcast, but <laughs> I, I feel like this is really easily translatable to, you know, sort of the classroom setting where like, maybe you just have a bunch of disorganized papers. And I know that there was like a pile of papers that sat on a table behind my desk from the beginning of the year to the end of the year last year. Or <laughs> I've the had last those. year I taught. And it just happens. And at some point you just got to resign yourself to the fact that if it was important, I would have dealt with it. And clearly it's not. So I'm going to move on to something that is. And, right. you know, you have to forgive yourself. It's really, really hard. But it's a really effective self-care tool. I agree. I agree. Self-care, I think, it often gets promoted as 
these really sort of fun and and pampering things, you know, like spa days and pedicures, yes, massages, and wine and tours, naps. and lots naps. of naps. Oh God, I love a nap and a um, trip to the beach. Yeah, sleeping when the baby sleeps <laughs> and drinking a full bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and while those things can be fun and delightful and recharging in their own way, I think that self care is actually something that's that's work. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's what makes it hard to actually do is because it is. It well, is. now here's another thing: is I also, you know, and I do not mind sharing this. I have I go to therapy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Therapy I, is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I guess you and I. I can't remember if we've actually talked about it or not, but I have no problem saying it out loud. Yeah. Um, just like I have a primary care physician for my body. Yeah. She is my primary care physician for my mind. Yeah. And so there are just some things that I have an appointment on Tuesday. Just yeah. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Wednesday. Oh, there you go. Okay, so I mean that is an act of self care. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is, and it and again it comes back to that that active work. So I, I have a therapist and I went, you know, for real regular weekly appointments for about a year and a half. Cause I was, I started therapy when I was, as most people do start therapy in a really bad low spot. And I right. kind of got out of that bad low spot and I was able to kind of go on my own for a while. But now just like you do with your regular physician, you go in for checkups, right? Right. Or if you know, you're, get sick you you go in and get some help there too and it's the same kind of thing and it's like right now I'm home all the time with this baby it's driving me crazy I'm going a little stir crazy and there's some other little baggage bits in there too and I'm like I think I need to go to therapy there I go. think I need to see my therapist because this and is something that this kind of doctor helps with and this is the kind of help I need exactly yeah I'm kind of curious if uh uh, our sound engineer, Brent, has been thinking about anything that he does for self-care. Do you want to well, come up to the yeah. mic and just yeah. say? What do you do? Now, let's give some context. You are now a senior in high school, right? Yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So, I wow, this is my first segment. I feel <laughs> part of the group. Um, here, let me, let me lean down a bit so I can. So, um, something I do is that when I'm really, like, kind of stressed out, I'm just like, ah! I'm just, like, done with everything is... Something that happens to me more like is that every little sound that I hear, like even the air conditioning running and all that, it just stresses me out. And so really, um, instead of having to listen to nothing and just kind of hearing those things, uh, I kind of just direct my ear towards something more intentional. So what I do is I listen to music. Definitely. Because it's like there's order to the sound and it's not just like this... It's yeah. not. It's not yeah. like there's a ghost in my house or something like that. <laughs> I guess that's a good way to put it. But yeah. Well, and then it's more soothing well, to great. the nerves rather than you being on edge waiting for the next noise to come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Definitely. that's awesome. Yeah. So I have um, Spotify, and I've set up playlists, and they're named after moods. <laughs> nice. So there's one called a bit down <laughs> and it's got all this like really sad kind of mellow music because I'm like one of those it's like you got to feel it all the way through man uh-huh. you got to feel it all the way oh, through yeah. go hard with the I've feelings I've got one called attitude and it's got all this upbeat angry music on it and I need that you know, playlist <laughs> so yeah and I've got one that says breezy and so I'd listen to it like on a day like today where it's like just I'm yeah. in a chill place and yeah. I'm just feeling kind of yeah. breezy so I totally, and I have the big over-the-ear, block-out-everything-but-what's-coming-through-the-earphones, uh-huh. 
and I'll turn that stuff up and I listen to a lot of soundtracks and, and things like that. So yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is a good that. one. And I think it goes back to sort of knowing who you are and what is, and what works for what you. works for you. Because, um, I know for some people they want just like the white noise, right? Mm-hmm. Like even music is too not smooth enough for mm. what they need. It needs to just be that constant, just sound. Um, and, and there are times when even I need that. Sometimes music is helpful, but sometimes I just need to like, just block literally out everything, everything. Um, and so, so yeah. And I think too, what I liked about that is that, um, you know, it, it brought to mind, I think part of the purpose of self care is not only to be reactionary, but to be, bit preventative so you know man if I'm getting stressed hearing these random noises is just going to put me on edge so to prevent getting myself put on edge I'm going to get the tunes going in my ear Um, and those little everyday things like taking a five minute lap around or um, you know whatever it kind of prevents you from getting to the point where you are on the edge and needing to be walked back Um, I think that's the best self care is the stuff that is, is preventative rather than reactionary sounds good yeah so yeah um and now i guess we're ready for our Our final segment our final question yes our special question (laughs) all right so i collected quite a few so just call out any number one from seven seven all right well that was easy (laughs) it's a good number all right so and there's a little bit of background for non-Virginia people that we're going to have to explain for this. But what, have your, what are your thoughts on the separation of students in the CGS program? Like how they go for, to a different school for okay. half of the day. Okay. Oh, this is very specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for those who don't know, CGS is the Commonwealth Governor's School. And it's for students who are at an advanced academic level. Um, they And correct me if I'm wrong about any of this because... Are you in CGS yourself, Brent? My brother was in CGS. Okay, so yeah. you have a little bit of firsthand knowledge. Yeah. And I'm not a CGS teacher. I, my daughter is not old enough. She's only in the first grade, so she's not in... Because it's high school is when CGS uh, becomes a thing. And, um, and yeah, so there's not... You know, it's... it's um, What's the word? It's the kind of program where not, you know, it's not everybody's in it. Yeah. It's a, a few students who are in it because you have to be really at the top academic level of your class mm-hmm. to be eligible for this program because it's, it's an advanced program. It's accelerated learning. You're learning more stuff. You're doing harder things. I have a blurb. Oh, you ready for Natalie it? Natalie has a blurb. I went online and found a blurb. Um, so technically, this is interesting. The Commonwealth, oh, sorry, this is Wikipedia, of course. Yeah. So take this with a grain of salt. We'll see who wrote this. Uh, the Commonwealth Governor's School, CGS, is one of 18 magnet governor schools in Virginia. The Commonwealth Governor's School is a half-day program for gifted and highly motivated students based on a school-within-a-school model. Uh, the CGS program relies on rigorous learning program, interactive audiovisual technology, field trips, and team teaching to create a regional community of learners. Admissions are competitive, involves an interview, blah, 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 blah. And it's typically from grades nine through twelve. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, and the way it works because it there's you know there's only a few students in the program in a school district like the one that you two live in and I used to work in where they have 
four high schools? Five. Five high schools. Um, there's not enough students in each high school to warrant having this program in each high school. So they right. have one. And then all of the students from all five go to that mm -hmm. school for half a day. Um, and then they go back to their, their home schools for the other half of the day. Yeah. Now, it's, the school district where I live um, is much smaller county and we have one high school. So those school, those students just go to a different part of the high school, but also the bulk of their CGS curriculum is online because we don't even have enough students to warrant having teachers for each type of class. So, yeah. so I feel like this question, um, there's two things going on. Uh, one, because it is a school within a school, there is like this um, kind of academic separation between levels, mm -hmm. you know. So I hear that the CGS kids get really tight with each other because they're in a lot of the same classes and, and that's where they form like a lot of their friendships. But there's also, you know, the other piece, because I'm in a district where busing has to happen um sometimes you leave your home high school and go to another physical location yes. for your cgs classes so i'm wondering like is the question more concerned with the first part about you know leveling you know yeah. putting students in yeah. a higher achieving type of academic rigor or is it more of the uh leaving the home school going to a different school um, and not being able to form, like, I don't know, connections and stuff with the other students from their home school who are not in CGS. So I wasn't quite sure. Well, it came from my brother who, as I said, graduated yeah, right. from the CGS program. Um, so honestly, I have no idea what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but um, I mean, I guess my... like when I think of context... I had a conversation with him because more than likely my son is probably headed toward this track. Um, and so I've started talking to, to Patrick a little bit about what that would look like. And I did ask your brother, mm -hmm. what are the ups and downs of him doing this? And I think what I heard from your brother is one of his kind of, I don't know if it was a regret. I think he did really well in the program, but is that he hung out with all the same people all the time. And it was just little pod of, it was a small social yeah. circle and there were things like um what if you wanted to do sports how did that interfere with things yeah. like athletic teams and extracurriculars and plays and things like that um my stepson was also in cgs and he i think if i remember correctly this conversation he wanted to take latin but because he was in cgs it didn't line up with latin so he oh, took french yeah. or, or something like that so it does sound like for you to sign up for the program, you do kind of have to go in knowing that your life is probably going to look a little different. Mm -hmm. There's a trade-off there. The majority of the students who attend yeah. your high school. Yeah. For me, um, you know, the way he talked to me about it, he said, if this is what you know, you know, Patrick wants to do, and he's motivated because it does have a, a program in there. A culminating project where the you get to choose kind of an area that's of passion for you and get to apply all this you know rigor um to and so if that's it just really depends if you have that type of student or not or do you keep them mainstream and they can take as many a there's still ap classes yeah. and things at your home school mm -hmm. but you're you're in that 
bigger pool of students where socially uh, you have more connections with, you know, going to homecoming dances and prom and, and things like that. You feel more a part of, you know, for example, you know, our mascot are the bears. You feel more like a bear. Right. You know, rather than, oh, you're a CGS kid, you're yeah. kind of your own thing. Right. So, yeah, that I mean, that is a good thing. And I know there's a lot of programs in different high schools all over the country um, that have different facets and themes and things. And so I feel like if I were a parent, and I am a parent, whose son might be headed towards something like this, I feel like I did kind of a due diligence thing by asking someone who went through it. What does he need to know before he goes through this process? Because the application process is intense. Yeah. I went through it. It's yeah. a lot of work because yeah. you have to, I believe you need three individual self-motivated projects and you have to like give a like presentation about it. And, I and didn't that's just get for in, the application but, process? Um, well, that's more the interview. Um, oh, dang. The application, so. I think, I don't remember much of because we just did a lot of that in class, but I remember we spent like a whole fourth of the year working on just that just for the interview and all that oh my so it's kind of a blur yeah. but it was <laughs> yeah. a lot it yeah. really was yeah. Yeah. and um yeah and I think my my take on it I mean my daughter is very far from anywhere near that point she's in the first grade so it'll be a while before we have to evaluate that for us um and uh but I I do feel like as um, a parent, but also as a teacher, um, and a person who is just extremely passionate about public education. One of the things that I think is potentially the greatest benefit of public education when public education is working the way that it should, and it definitely does not always work that way in this country, but that it is an opportunity for exposure. It is exposure to people who are not mm like you mm -hmm. and what worries me about program like CGS is it takes away a lot of that yeah. and while there may be racial diversity there may be uh, economic diversity within that program every student with I'm sure very rare exception in that program comes from a family that values education you don't get into a program like that without support at home mm -hmm. you don't because you heard Brent talk about what the application process is like. There's an interview where you have to do three projects independently <laughs> and present them to a group of and adults. And this is like from eighth grade to ninth grade, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, so this is at the end of eighth grade. You you don't achieve that without without support. I can support barely at home. do that now, and I'm yeah. 45. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and so there there is wiped out a whole level of diversity. You know, you are you are more likely to interact with people who are like you in the sense that education is valued at home and you are supported at home in your education. And when you get out in the world and in the workplace, you're not going to always work with people who came from the same background as you or the same family life as you. Um, and you need to learn how to get along with all different kinds of people, all different group settings um, and that's one of the, to me, I mean, that's why when my husband and I were deciding about public school versus private school, um, there were a lot of factors that we considered, but the overwhelming factor for me was that I didn't want to take away any opportunity for my daughter to experience 
diversity of all types. And, um, you know, and being involved in her actual community. Yeah. And, and learning to be a part of her actual community. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and it's hard because I do think that CGS provides a lot of benefits. I mean, the mainstream public school is not going to, you can take all the AP classes you want. Having a culminating senior project is an experience you're not going to get from that. But it's a really amazing experience for those high-flying students who want that, who crave that level of academic vigor. Vigor. <laughs> rigor um <laughs> you know students who are looking at going to elite colleges need that experience and you're not going to get that from just taking ap classes um so i feel like it's this balance of it does provide a really excellent opportunity for a lot of students but at what at what cost mm-hmm. and i guess that's up to every every family and every student mm-hmm. ultimately to to decide um and i don't know how schools can go about maybe offsetting a little bit, making yeah. those making those CGS students feel like there are avenues for them to connect into mm-hmm. their larger school community. Right. And of course, CGS only applies for four of the eight classes in A B schedule. Right. Because it's all the core classes. But from what I gather, and I might be wrong, please correct me, audience, if I'm wrong. <laughs> but um Every core class that you have at C- CGS is with the same, like, 30 kids. Yeah. So if you're in English class, you're in a room mm. with 30 kids, and if you go to history after that, same 30 kids yeah. after that. And yeah. it's the same with, well, no. Yeah, so even if there's yeah, 90 but, kids in the program, you're sort of tracked with the same right. group because the there's only so many time. ways they can right. manipulate that schedule, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, it, but I think more than likely it's, not likely for there to be 90 kids. There's likely to be 30 kids yeah, in that program at that level. And you I just like all track together. And not just for one year. You track together for four years. Yeah. Same people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think 30 is actually the number per site. Because, like, yeah. I think we have two sites in our county. Um, and so that I think two or three of the schools in our county feed into one site and then the others feed into another one. And I'm pretty sure 30 is the actual number that they're taking yeah. per and year. That's a small year. number yeah. for our county. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And but anyway, yeah. well, I hope that's that a good question. That's a good answered conversation. Enough it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks, well, Christine. Thank you, Natalie, and it's thank you, Brett, back. for yeah. guest starring Yay. in our Christine in our episode. <laughs> it feels great to speak. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get well, on we appreciate side of the everything that you do. Yes. this would not be happening without you. Yes, thank you. no, so. cannot appreciate you enough. All right, all right. Goodbye, all, right. all our listeners. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Next time. <laughs>